Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast Championship Matchup Week Edition. I am joined by my co-host Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Gentlemen, I, I know I've already talked to uh, Betts a little bit about this and he's in some championships. So Okada, tell me, uh, are you in a couple of championships this week? Is, are things going well for you? I am. One of them, my main league, my league of record, if you will, is a two-week final. So I've already been in the championship for one week. I'm down by 10 points. So I'm, I need a, I need a solid week to pull out a come-from-behind victory. And then I made it into the Dynasty Nerds Writers uh, Dynasty League final, inaugural season. So that's, and I think I'm, uh, I think I'm the better team. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, I, I like your, your squad on that, Okada. I play in that league as well. And that was the league, Kent, that I ran into the Derrick Henry-led uh, roster, which I had no chance of coming back from. Uh-huh. Um, so that was that was a bummer. Uh, but Okada and, and Kent, what do you guys think about the, the two-week championship or the two-week format for playoffs? Do you guys like that, or do you prefer the single-week matchup? I, I, the, I, the league I'm in where we do that is a 10-teamer, and that makes it better. Because yeah. if you got 12 teams in the league, you kind of want six to get in, which means you got to do a bye week kind of, and you really can't pull this off. But in this 10-team league, I really like it because I think it gives the better team a better shot at actually winning. You stole the thoughts right out of my head. It's very league size dependent. 100% yep. agree. So it, and it helps to is, eliminate like the week 15s of exactly. the history of playoffs say, where the best players do week. nothing for you at nope. all. Second, it was like the yeah. second worst week of the last ten years, or something like that. So if, bad from fantasy, you know, quote unquote relevant players. So pretty bad. I'll have you guys know I made it to the championship of the Listener League, and I'm going up Shocking. against Corey this week. So Corey, uh, I hope you're listening because we're we're gonna do something a little bit fun. Uh, here in a minute that I won't I won't tip my hand on yet. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into some news. We got some stuff to talk about. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right. Uh, you know, we always like to start with the administrative stuff, and there's really only a couple things here, and even both of them are sort of injury-related. Um, so let's just get this out of the way right now. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Uh, let's focus first on... Carson Wentz and then Nick Foles, obviously the guy who played in his wake. Wentz recently, there's been just like a flurry of news coming out about his it's back issue, right? That's been causing him some trouble? Yep, he's got a, a stress fracture in his lumbar spine, his lower back, so that's what's going on with him right now. And the team has said, you know, he's not going on IR, but he won't start and they don't have plans to start him anytime soon. So this could just be a formality in terms of, you know, not really wanting to construct the roster a certain way and put him on IR, but I would be absolutely blown away and shocked if he appears on the field again this season, even if they make the playoffs. So um, this is Nick Foles' team moving forward, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that is the Nick Foles team that beat the Los Angeles Rams last week somehow. Uh, so it's certainly something that 
it, do you do you think this affects players in a fantasy type relevant way? Are there takeaways for Nick Foles playing? Yeah, it seems like Alshon Jeffrey might be better with Nick Foles on the field. And we saw it in actuality last week, so it's a little bit reactive. But at the same time, if you just look at the two quarterbacks, Foles has kind of been a guy to chuck it down the field with a little bit less care than Wentz for quite a bit of time now. And that's kind of where Jeffrey thrives more. So it's not that surprising, which means I think we can kind of project it forward and say Jeffrey might actually be solid. Yeah, and the, I think uh, the one week of fantasy left, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got to just worry about one one more week. Uh, those week seventeen championships can they can kick rocks. But you know, we saw earlier in the year uh, Zach Ertz got a lot of targets from Nick Foles when he was playing. However, Alshon Jeffrey was not activated until a few weeks into the season. I don't recall what his first week was, but uh, that might have been partially due to that. So I kind of am with you here. I'm a bit worried uh, as an Ertz owner. I think personally for me, I'm not I'm not worried about Ertz. I mean, he's been so dominant in this league for the last two seasons, and I think Nick Foles knows that. And he's had good games with Nick Foles under the helm, so I'm not really worried. I kind of chalk that up as, you know, one week. But let's be honest, it's irrelevant for fantasy because if you've got Zach Ertz, you're starting. Yeah, him, you're so, playing him. Uh, yeah. Don't be worried about it. Start, Nick, uh, start Zach Ertz, excuse me, uh, with confidence. I agree. So let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news. The Rams have signed C.J. Anderson. Is this like his fourth team this year? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think yes. it might be. Well, he that started on the absurd. Panthers. <laughs> he got cut by the Panthers. He was picked up by the Raiders. Or no, did he even yep. have another team before the Raiders? I don't even remember. It's the Saints. Did the Saints ever have him? Gee, I don't know. It's at or, least his third know. team, uh, which should probably be a sign as to how you know good of a football player he even is anymore and he he was never really that great he was just kind of a guy who was there who could rush the ball um but teams need more than that these days so you know they kind of said this was to be a backup but I don't it's not a direct backup it's going to be uh John Kelly right right is is the guy's name mm-hmm. um yep who's going to be the direct backup to Gurley if he happens to not play I understand he has some swelling some inflammation in that knee Betts, do you want to touch on Gurley's situation real quick? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's not a ton of detail out there other than, you know, Sean McVay telling the media he has inflammation in his knee, which can literally mean a variety of things. So I won't really, you know, get specific there or speculate as to what I think is going on. But it's worth noting, you know, Todd Gurley does have an ACL tear and a surgery in his history, which we all forget because he's been dominant ever since he, you know, came back from it. Good for him. But you know, it's definitely something that's in his history and that, you know, every now and then can pop up and linger. Um, you saw him on the sideline on Sunday night with a, a hot pack around his knee, basically trying to keep the knee loose and keep it moving. So this week he's probably dealing with some soreness and some stiffness, swelling, like you mentioned, those kind of things. But right now, I think all signs point to Gurley being active and playing. And if he does, could not ask for a better matchup in week 16 against the Cardinals. Okay, so in regard to that, Betts, I do need to ask you a question about this particular injury. Yes. Is this a type of thing where a heavy workload is potentially bad for this type of injury or not really? Uh, it can be. I mean, like I said, I don't want to speculate as to what's going on, but we do know like this is probably a knee joint issue, meaning something inside the knee joint is being aggravated. Uh, And yeah, more kind of pounding and wear and tear and carries throughout the game. Yeah, that could certainly lead to aggravation. I mean, you saw Sunday night when he went out 
and came back in, yeah, he was definitely limited. And so if there's any chance that it kind of gets tweaked or aggravated, you know, that could certainly happen um, later in the game. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask you guys, maybe, and so either of you can chime in, because this has me really concerned that the Rams get up by 21 points or more in a quarter or two, and they just sit girly because they don't need to inflame that knee anymore. I was ready to talk about this, actually. Um, a lot of people have been suggesting that possibility, and I don't think it really matters because the Cardinals' run defense is just porous, and even if Gurley only gets 14 to 16 touches, which is low for him, uh, and, and that would be approximately in line with what you're saying, he can still get you know near 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown or two, and that's going to be a perfectly fine fantasy day. He's going to have no problem running on this team. This Rams offense has been struggling the last couple weeks, and I know McVay wants to find his offensive stride before they get to the playoffs. They are still in an effort here to try and earn a bye going into the playoffs. So they are by no means ready to just quit and give up, and I think that involves Gurley being part of the game plan for the majority of the game. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that, Kent. And you know, I'll say too, this Rams offense, yes, they're still elite, and yes, they're still good, but recently – God, they have not been very good, and yes, it's a fantastic matchup, and I fully expect them to win, but I think if you asked us this question, you know, five or six weeks ago when they were just absolutely dominating teams, you would say, yeah, they should pull Gurley in the second half, Um, but maybe it doesn't happen because that offense, for whatever reason, has just been kind of lackluster recently. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next piece of news here. Let's talk about James Conner, who had a high ankle sprain. You know, he's been sitting out a couple weeks. It sounds like he's been getting in some limited practices, but still it's kind of questionable. There's been some sketchy commentary on on his availability coming for this next week. Uh, do you do you think there's a chance he plays bets? I guess is the easiest question. If you would have asked me this two days ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm going to bet money that he plays if I have to. But um, there's a, a beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. His name's, uh, I think it's Ed Boucher. Uh, he just tweeted out today, James Conner made his first Pro Bowl, but don't look for him to play Sunday for the Steelers. That high ankle sprain is going to take a lot more time to heal. So he knows something that's going on with, with uh, James Conner there. And I would now say if you are a Conner owner, you know, make backup plans. And if you're a Jalen Samuels owner, I sure hope you didn't drop him because that was a huge mistake. Yeah, I think there was also a video of Conner in the locker room after practice or at some point around practice saying that he was not feeling 100% and hoping to get like work his way back up but it didn't sound very positive so I'm kind of on the same page there yeah and um so if if it were to be no Connor obviously we're looking at Jalen Samuels again here that do you have any desire um well you got to start him right because he's got a good PPR floor uh it's a tougher matchup this week but I think it's it's still a must start if uh, no Connor. Yeah, oh, he's absolutely agree. a must start. Yeah, and especially it's tougher for running backs who don't have pass catching ability against the Saints because they just really stop the run. But if he's able to catch passes, which Samuels obviously is, it just means I think he could easily get six plus receptions. So I like him a lot, especially in PPR. All right, well, let's go ahead and swing on over to Melvin Gordon, who his news sounds a little bit more positive uh, with that MCL sprain. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be playing this week. They said uh, recently that if their game had been on Sunday last week that he would have played. So, you know, take that for what it's worth with a grain of salt, but uh, looking pretty good for this week, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. He practiced in full the last two days. So, you know, right now there's virtually no concern that he's going to miss. Um, Worth noting, this game is on Saturday, so you will get a final word about his status on Friday afternoon, Friday evening. So, yeah, he should be good to go for this week. Yeah, I suppose we should talk about that real quick. There are no Thursday night games this week, and we do have it's two Saturday games. Is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. I don't even have it pulled up right now, but uh, two Saturday games. So that's going to be the Redskins against the Titans and the Ravens playing against the Chargers. So just something to keep in mind uh, in the back of your head as you're getting ready to set lineups for this week. But uh, sounds to me like Melvin Gordon's playing. So you, any last comments on him? I want to say. I love Melvin Gordon, man. Did you guys see what he tweeted out about how yes. disappointed he was for letting out, letting down his fantasy owners? So great. We need more Melvin Gordons out there in the NFL. He knows what's up in fantasy football. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten around to watching the video. I'll have to do that. I've heard some good things about it. Uh, let's go ahead and swing on over to talk about Cam Newton. Sounds like he could be getting shut down for the season uh, with a shoulder injury. And, he, you know, he just looks like his whole body's hurt. If you watched him play this last game, he was just every single movement caused him pain, I'm pretty sure. So uh, he is out confirmed for week 16. So as far as fantasy goes, uh, that's the end of Cam Newton this year. Yeah, and they've actually confirmed kent they are gonna shut him down for the season oh I they mean, did all right two games okay. left um i believe they're out of playoff contention at this point so it, it kind of makes sense um yeah it's obvious man you can see him out there he's obviously less than 100 percent, not throwing with accuracy not having power on the ball and the thing that i noticed too is when he you know he normally winds up he gets a ton of rotation from his shoulder to drive the ball forward and it's not happening. So there's something going on that's limiting his shoulder mobility. Um, and it's definitely going to be a, a hot topic, I think, as the offseason comes. I am seeing that the Panthers have less than 1% chance of making the playoffs. So technically, mathematically alive, it would probably require uh, a lot of stuff to happen. And I don't know what that so is. So you're saying right there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Including a win from Taylor Heineke, who is <laughs> their backup. Yeah. Well, so and, and actually, so how does this make you feel about DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey? Is there any reason to be worried about any of these guys? I don't think I'm worried at all about Christian, but uh, the other two guys, maybe? I mean, Cam's shoulder has been so bad, I'm wondering if Heineke might even just be a lateral move or better. I don't know anything really? about him, but... I mean, well, listen, Newton was never that great of a passer in the first place. True. Okay, he was mostly about his legs. So broken shoulder Newton was one of the worst QBs in the league. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I don't know. Maybe I, Heineke that is a confusingly good take, uh, honestly. I, that might be right. I was going to say, too, to speak to that, I actually kind of like what this does for DJ Moore. I know he was your start of the week last week, Kent. Um, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> and... The thing that I said is like maybe they go to more dump offs and screens and those kind of things and they didn't really do it, but with you know, this backup quarterback coming in to make his first start in the NFL, maybe they just say, Okay, we're gonna simplify everything and it's short dink and dunk and they let DJ Moore try to perform after the catch. So I kinda like him as a sneaky play this week. All right, well let's swing on over and talk about Keenan Allen who is pointing at his hip. Is that is that correct? Did I get that right? He just points at it. this is sure. where it hurts. It hurts right here. <laughs> I think he did do that, actually, during the game when he got hurt. <laughs> I think so, too. But um, it sounds like he might play. Uh, what do you, Is that likely? I thought we were kind of leaning towards maybe not. Uh, on the waiver pod, actually, I came out and said he's got a chance to play. Everyone's kind of assuming he's not going to play, but there's a couple of things. Keenan Allen is a tough dude, and he wants to be out there. I mean, 
he definitely is a guy who's been a gamer and he's had you know as we all know injuries throughout his career and he's he's played through a couple of them obviously you can't play through the season ending ones but when he can he plays the other thing is doctors can inject um the location of where this injury is like right on the bone of kind of where the muscles attach to help relieve pain so there's a chance maybe that happens friday or saturday morning and he's able to play with a lot more comfort um, but basically the, the easiest thing to do here is just watch those practice reports because that's going to tell you a lot, especially come Friday. All right. Well, yeah, we'll just kind of keep an eye on those injury reports and hopefully he gets in some good practice here. And so we, we are aware, um, Spencer Ware sounds like he's practicing in limited capacity this week so far. Uh, he has a hamstring and a shoulder injury, so he's just pretty kind of banged up. Did not play last week. We saw Damian Williams get a lot of work, mostly in the passing game. He did pretty good on the ground, too, but uh, he's definitely more of a pass catcher by trade. So uh, what do we think about Spencer Ware's availability for this game? I would say he's got a pretty good shot to play. Um, You know, the injury in the first time it happened, which was now two weeks ago, they weren't really super concerned about it, <clears throat> but the issue was that they played, you know, just a few days later on that Thursday night. So it was a short turnaround. Now he's got extra time to, to get ready. Um, again, same situation. We know the story with those hamstring injuries, so we're going to want to watch those practice reports and ensure that he doesn't suffer any setbacks during the week. Um, but I'll be honest with you, for fantasy purposes, it would be very helpful if we knew exactly what was going on in terms of his availability, because I don't know about you guys, but I really don't know who would be the better play in this matchup if Ware's active. Agreed. I think what we really need is just for Ware to sit. Because if Ware sits, Williams is a locked and loaded late back-end RB1, I think. Certainly high-end RB2. Whereas if Ware plays, it puts a bunch of question marks on both guys. Maybe both are startable, but it definitely does make it tougher. Yeah, it's tough. So... Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you had to pick between Spencer Ware and Elijah McGuire. Who would you pick? <laughs> Ask you for a friend. I would probably, I would probably uh, just go with McGuire because it's a known amount of volume. I mean, there's, I don't see any scenario where McGuire doesn't get any less than like 15 or 16 carries. And, you know, for me, volume is king. So I would, I would just go safe with that route. Tell you what, personally, personally, well, even though it's so personally, pedestrian. I, I, I think offense is king, so I take Ware. But. I, uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about him a little bit. So let's go ahead and push on past that. Uh, keep an eye on Spencer Ware's practicing. And yeah, I, I agree that's kind of a confusing situation between those two if they both play. Uh, Tyler Boyd is dealing with an MCL injury. I understand that is a sprain as well. And uh, it sounds like he's probably not going to play the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, all all signs right now, you know, say that it's a low grade sprain, uh, which is good news in terms of his long term health and all that good stuff. Uh, but the bad news is, you know, even a grade one MCL, which is you know basically just a very small stretch of the ligament, is tough to play through a week later. So he didn't practice today. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, sit all week and practice, um, and probably not play uh, this week. So I would plan on Boyd sitting in week sixteen. All right, and then Aaron Rodgers is dealing with a groin injury. I've heard you know, news or rumors, at least, that he is planning to play and they do not have any intention of shutting him down, even though the Packers are at a stretch for making the playoffs, if they even have a chance. Again, I'll have to look this one up, but uh, tell me what you think about Aaron Rodgers' groin injury. Yeah, he kind of injured it on a Hail Mary late in the first half uh, this past Sunday, and then he came back in, um, and you could see him every time he would attempt to move out of the pocket and – 
you know, become a mobile quarterback, he was wincing in pain every time. So those groin injuries are super tricky, and they're always tough for running backs and receivers who need to cut a lot when they're out there on the field. Um, in terms of, you know, for Rodgers specifically, we've seen him be able to adapt his play style enough specifically this year with the knee injury where he's just said okay i'm not going to be a running quarterback at all i'm going to stay in the pocket and i'm going to dink and dunk my way um you know out there on the field so i think a very similar situation happens and ultimately i do think he does play this week yeah and i just checked they are eliminated from playoff uh, contention so you know there's still a possibility that they could shut him down but it doesn't seem like he's the type of person to want to do that so he'll probably muscle through it so Anyway, let's move on and talk about Matt Breida, who aggravated his ankle injury on Sunday. Uh, Is this report from, let's see, week 14, week 13, week 12, week 11, week 10? (laughs) Uh, I just left this on the dock uh, after the first injury. So this has been 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 there the whole time. 12 weeks straight. (laughs) Yeah, we've never removed it from the dock. Uh, He has a perennial ankle injury, it seems. Yeah, I mean, there's probably not much to say about it at this point. We kind of know the story. It's very likely to keep getting aggravated because here's the truth. I mean, his ankle ligaments are stretched out, and they keep getting a little bit more stretched out every time he aggravates that that ankle. Um, It can kind of lead to a sense of instability. And I'm shocked because when I watch him play, the first time that he's out there, until he aggravates it, the training staff isn't wrapping or taping his ankles and he doesn't have a brace which is like the number one thing you do when you're coming back from an acute ankle sprain so he must be a player that like hates that kind of thing and obviously it's affecting him so my best advice would be Matt Breda let them tape your ankles or just sit down (laughs) yeah let's let's make this easy he's playing against the Bears this week so questionable tag Bears sit him down I mean it's just simple as that all right playing Jeff Wilson if he's inactive uh Mm, only if, if you're, you're desperate if you're desperate and you need volume yeah that's it yeah all right we got some quick hitters here i'm just gonna roll through them if you have any comments at the end uh let me know so up first odell beckham jr is not practicing with a quad injury we are talking about wednesday practices so they're not super telling but keep an eye on it lamar miller has an ankle injury he left uh, the previous game and owners got a nice whopping 0.8 points out of him I know I was uh, one of the people who had to deal with that in Scott Fishbowl. But anyway, moderate practice throughout the week. Looks like they might um, activate Foreman yet. I I, I don't think that's likely, but it's probably going to be Alfred Blue if Miller's out. LaShawn McCoy continues to be day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Austin Eckler has a concussion, uh, and he is still not practicing. That was a pretty brutal uh, situation that caused that concussion, so... Keep an eye on him. Carryon Johnson has been shut down for the year, sent to injured reserve with a knee injury. And then Aaron Jones has also been sent to IR with an MCL. Is that just a sprain or strain or tear or what was that? Uh, yeah, the MCL is a sprain, not a complete tear. But um, regardless, the season's over. Obviously, it would be you know that two to four week timeline, which we've seen from a couple of players this year. So at this point in the season, eliminated from playoffs, it just makes sense for him to go on IR. All right, let's go ahead and move on over to the under-overs. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Apparently it's backwards today. It's under-overs instead of (laughs) over-unders. But uh, before we go on to this week's, or even recapping last week's, we need a little bit of uh, tight, uh, what what would you call it, housekeeping, a little housekeeping. In week, let's see, that'd be 14, we made a bet uh, in the flex position between... 
Jeff Wilson, and Justin Jackson. And I erroneously graded it as Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. But this caused a flip in points. Uh, instead of Betts getting the point, he will instead lose that point, and Okada what? and myself no. <laughs> will both get our point for selecting Jeff Wilson uh, against Justin Jackson that week. So This as, seems sketchy. I don't know about this scoring anymore. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, we had a total after week fifth or excuse me, after week fourteen of thirty four for me, thirty two for Okada, and thirty five for Betts. Now, on to this week or rather last week, we were looking at Andrew Luck, Aaron Jones, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, and then in the flex position, Amari Cooper versus Stefan Diggs. For the first three, you might recall, we all matched each other like best friends. Uh, on Andrew mm. Luck's 19.8, we took the over, and he scored 9.7. No, I didn't forget the teen 9.7. So we all yeah. missed that one. Aaron Jones, of course, we all know he went out due to injury. We all took the under. We were all correct. Maybe not for the right reasons, but nevertheless correct. Kenny Galladay, he was projected at 9.1. We all took the under, and he doubled it. He got 18.1, so we were all pretty off there. And then now where the difference maker comes into play, uh, Evan Ingram, you two guys took the under on six, or excuse me, 7.6 points. And I took the over. He ended up getting 11.5, obviously partially in due to Odell Beckham not playing in this game. I don't think we realized that at the time of recording. So, again, I was right maybe for the wrong reasons, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> and then in the flex position, Amari Cooper versus Diggs. Uh, Amari Cooper scored 6.3 points, and Stefan Diggs did get a touchdown, so that brought him up to 13.8. And I was the one who picked Diggs, and you guys both took Cooper. So... That's the score of the week for three for me, one for each of you guys, and the total now after week 15 with one week, excuse me, one week left on the schedule is 37 for myself, 33 for Okada, 36 for Betts. In theory, this is still open. Okada could win with a five-point week, and I get a goose egg. Let's go. Or Betts gets one or, or zero. So... Uh, so, Okada, you have to pick the possible. opposite of Kent every single time. <laughs> so, yeah, are we doing the uh, order do of leadership officially? Every, every single time. I, we'll lock this in right now. It'll go me, then Betts, then Okada. All right. I'll we'll give him a chance. We'll, we'll, we'll make this interesting. So, four, so, Okay, I can take one the same. All right. Let's take a look at this week's over-unders. And I don't know if you guys looked at this list at all or if you're familiar. I actually chose part of the starting lineup of Corey... Against me in the championship game oh, of the Listener. I love it. So we're going to get real interesting here and talk about some guys. I even took one from his bench to throw into the flex uh, question to make things a little interesting. So up first, he is starting quarterback Mitch Trubisky uh, playing at San Francisco. Uh, it's going to be a Sunday noon game, or, or excuse me, afternoon game. Uh, he is projected for 18.8 points. So, like I said, we're going to start with me. Uh, I'm taking the over on this one. I think he's been looking good lately. Uh, not lately. Two weeks ago, he had the three-interception game. But, you know, he's coming off that shoulder injury, and he got back into form. Played really well last week. Looked good. Did not did not rush too much. He's he, Earlier in the season, he was rushing quite a bit more. I think we can see that get back in action here. I think the Bears are going to stop the 49ers. 
So I'm taking the over, which means we will swing over two bets. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're going with that one, but I'm gonna go the opposite of you. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go under for Trubisky. Um, I think that the Bears just dominate this offense uh, of the Niners. They don't give up a lot, as we know, and I think that makes the game game script more of a Jordan Howard type game. Which you guys might be shocked to know this. He has had 19 rush attempts in each of the last two games. Which you know, if you drafted Jordan Howard, you're like, okay, finally, when it doesn't help me, he's doing that. Uh, but they're actually giving him the ball, and I think for that reason, Trubisky goes under. Oh, wow. I had prepared in my mind both of those arguments to present whichever one was the opposite of you guys, <laughs> and now you've taken both. So I'm going to pick the person who convinced me the most, and that was Betts. Not nice. really. I, I was going to go under anyways. Uh, I, but it is for the same reasons as bets, which is simply that I think this is going to be a smashing that Jordan Howard gets to play with. I think kind of like we talked about with the Rams needing to find their identity, the, the Bears kind of want to figure out exactly what they're going to do going to the playoffs. And I think that they'd rather play great defense and run the ball really well than try to have Trubisky running about flinging the ball downfield. So that's what I'm going to look at for this game, and I'll take the under. All right, so uh, cl- closed circuit to bets. Okada, don't listen. Uh, let's just go opposite of each other every single time. Oh, my <laughs> so, so Okada can't catch up. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that's evil. No, let's not do that. Let's make picks that we actually believe in. Um, <laughs> I kind of like that option instead. With, with a hint of strategery involved. But anyway, uh, boo. let's move over to uh, Corey's top running back, which, is, of course, is Christian McCaffrey playing at home against Atlanta Falcons. He is projected for 19.8 points, which is pretty considerable, even though he has been very good this season. Uh, again, we're going to start with me. I'm not used to this. Usually I make one of you two guys go first. So I'm taking the under here. That's partially in due to the fact that Taylor Heineke is going to be starting for the Panthers and also because the Falcons have actually been not terrible defensively since Deion Jones has come back uh, and been healthy. He's, you know, their top defensive player he's pro bowl caliber uh and it's shown almost immediately so they've been pretty tough in the in couple, last couple weeks compared to what we've seen earlier in the year when they were just destroyed by injuries so i'm taking the under on uh christian mccaffrey here so let's uh swing it over to bets uh i'm gonna go with under there as well ken i think that for the same reasons um like you mentioned with this being you know their quarterback's first start in the nfl the defense actually looked pretty good last week. Granted, it was the Cardinals, um, but Deion Jones is back, <clears throat> and I think there's going to be a good chance that this offense struggles. Uh, and I like the fact that you know we're trying to team up here against Okada. So let's go, Kenton Betts and Boo Okada, who's probably going to take the over. Yeah, this is uh, this is great because this was my this was like my clearest choice of all of them, and you guys took the opposite of what I wanted to do. Really? I'm taking the over by. A good 17 points, roughly. Um, wow. Okay, maybe lot. not. Maybe not. That's confidence. But he will top 20. I think he'll top 25. The The lack of Newton really doesn't bother me at all. If anything, I think it just means McCaffrey is the number one outlet for this Heineke fellow. Not that I know much about him, like I said before, but brand new quarterback, you give the ball to your best and easiest to target weapon and in my opinion, that's McCaffrey. He's certainly their most electric weapon. He's been incredibly good. 
And the Falcons defense, despite getting a little better with Jones, is still not great, especially against pass-catching running backs in a large sample size that we have of a couple years now. So I, I'm i saying eight-plus receptions and easily tops this number. I have an idea. Oh, Bets, tell me how you feel about this. I'm not, I'm not sure I want to do it or if it should be allowed, but uh, what if we set it at 25 for Okada? If he, if he goes over 25, he gets double, but if he's less, it's zero. Oh, I love it. Okada's the worst gambler of the three of us. He will never get this right. <laughs> I love it. Facts. Are we going to put I'll that in play? It. Let's put that in the play. I'll take it. Let me mark this down real quick, and uh, I'll, I'll try and remember to, to do that uh, looking at the scores next week. But that should make it fun. It'll give you a little uh, boost there. So moving over to the wide receiver position, he had a couple of interesting wide receivers. I decided to talk about T.Y. Hilton, who's playing at home against the New York Giants. He's projected for 13.9 points. Uh, I'm actually going to take the under on this one. I don't think the Giants are really a tough defensive matchup, but he's dealing with that injury. It sounds like it's questionable uh, whether he's going to actually get to play in this game. So if he does play, I imagine he's going to be hampered by it. And uh, if he doesn't play, then it's going to be a wash. So it's kind of a you know, a win-win in my in my opinion. So I'm going to take the under. I'm going to disagree with you, Kent, by a lot. Uh, T.Y. is absolutely destroying defenses right now, and he is currently averaging 120 yards a game over the past six weeks, which is a pretty big sample size to say, okay, this dude is dominating. Um, he hasn't practiced in two weeks, and he's still come out and put up pretty good numbers, so I'm not really worried about that. I think that he goes over, and I think he smashes this number. Hmm. Okay, I'm not sure how the strategy works. Like, if I should just pick one of you that I want to beat, but I'm just gonna I forget the strategy and go with my heart here, which is under on T. Y. Hilton, and the reason is pretty much only because I think this is going to be a Marlon Mack game, and I will talk about that more in a little bit. So I'll leave it at that. You uh you made the right choice because last time you matched uh, bets on Trubisky, and this time you matched me. On Hilton, mm-hmm. so you're kind of balancing it out and hoping you get them all, all right. right and we each get a couple wrong. But with that being said, uh, you've taken the under, so now uh, that's two unders for Hilton and one over for Betts. So let's move on to the tight end position. Talk about Mr. George Kittle. He is playing at home against the Bears. We already talked about uh, you know that matchup a little bit and Mitch Trubisky, but on the other side of the ball, George Kittle. He's been a man all year. He's going to be a man this game. Uh, I've talked about it before. The Bears, even though they're a good defense in fantasy football, they are still allowing a lot of receptions and yards. I'm going to take the over. He had a little bit of a quote-unquote down game, which was like 50-some yards, and that's like a top-five tight end performance this year. And that's a down game for Kittle. So I'm going to take uh, another upswing game for him, and I'm going to take the over on 11.1. Yeah, I'm with you there, Kent. I'm taking the over as well. Uh, When you look at what... Kittle does you know he does line up on the end of the line a decent amount but he also lines up in the slot a bunch and you know when you look at the matchup in your your apps and you're setting your lineup it's a terrible matchup for the tight end against the the Bears but they're actually giving up a decent amount of receiving yards to wide receivers and Kittle is probably the most likely guy to be a wide receiver for that team in this matchup so I'm gonna go ahead and take the over for Kittle I think that he has a a nice game uh, this week well that makes it easy for me I have to take the under here um, do I have any reasons? Just because you want to win? Yeah. Well, well, literally in my notes on my doc, I have a separate doc where I put my own notes, and I said, "Tough, I'll go opposite of Kent." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. 
like it. I will, okay, here's one little thing I'll say. I feel like Kittle is a little bit of a downfield target, and that means you need a little bit of time to hit him in those kind of seam routes or the, the deep routes. And Mullins is not going to have any time against this Bears defense. So there you go. There's my reasoning. Under. All right. So I had the under for Okada. Unfortunately, I was typing something. Betts, would, did you take the over or the under? Uh, I took the over. The over Thanks for listening. Well. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> Were you saying something? <laughs> All right. Let's move on to his flex position. I have selected one person who was in his flex already and one from his bench who was projected for more. So he had starting Are you going to tell flex. us which one is which? What? Oh, you're going to tell us which one yeah, is which? Yeah, I'll tell you which one is which. Yeah, oh, okay, sure. Okay, okay, cool. So he had in his flex right now Allen Robinson playing at mm. home, or excuse me, at San Francisco against 49ers. And on his bench is Kalen Balage playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we got to decide. And, and, and Kalen Balage, I don't have the projections written down here, but he was projected for just over 11 points, and Allen Robinson was like nine and a half points. So kind of an interesting thing here to think about i'm going okay, to yahoo yeah I yeah see you. i think i'm gonna take al robinson here because he's kind of pairing with my mitchell trubisky take earlier i think he's going over i think it's gonna be a smash play and it's not gonna be just running the ball because they're gonna they're gonna need to pass the ball in the playoffs they're gonna be playing against uh high caliber offenses so you know they they can win games by running the ball and using defense but they're they're gonna have to have some inkling of a pass game and this is the guinea pig game that i believe they can do it so I'll take the over, for, or excuse me, I'll take Allen Robinson. Okay, before bets goes, I do have a, I do have to ask you guys. There's an, an old adage, you know, defense wins championships. I'm curious if you think the Bears could actually win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's possible. Oh, I, right. I do too. I mean, they've they've come out and they've beat good teams, um, you know, off and on for this year. So I absolutely think so, especially if that defense is clicking the way that they've been. Cool beans. All right, go bets. Bears. Yeah, Betts, uh, who's Not your first. pick here between A-Rob and Kalen Blush? Yeah, I'm going to go with Allen Robinson as well. Um, my advice here, Corey, is you're playing Kent's Patrick Mahomes-led team with Gurley. Go for upside here. Go for the stack. Go for Allen Robinson and Mr. Biscay together. Well, this is just lovely. This actually all panned out better than I thought because I was actually planning on taking Kalen Blush. Oh, I, I can't believe it. What has fantasy come to? That we're taking <laughs> Kalen Balage in week 16 in our starting championship lineups. Listen, I think I mentioned something about Kalen Balage way back in our rookie running back preview, if you guys yeah. remember. I actually liked him. He's a very good pass catcher, and he's incredibly fast, especially for his size. And we saw that last week when he broke a massive run. By the way, I don't know if you guys watched that highlight. Everyone says, oh, he's just a straight line runner and he gets good blocking and then he takes off. He made a very nifty little cut in the backfield before he broke that long run. Why so are you, you talking guys all... like you're a little old Slight, British woman? Slightly British, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what the Balage haters sound like, uh, a little old British woman. They're all British. Yeah. Listen, Adam Gase despises Kenyon Drake with an absolute venom that cannot be measured in human terms. Frank Gore goes down. Kenyon Drake has been balling all season. It's finally time Adam Gay says, you know what, let's go with this rookie guy that we haven't really been using all season, and Kenyon Drake, you can have one carry. So, I mean, if he did it last game, I don't see a huge reason why he wouldn't go back to that. This game, which means Balage over Drake, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're 
they're they're anomalous. It's like what do you do? They either either an elite defense or they're an awful defense. Really, the only time that they've showed up as a team was against the Colts when they shut them out. That was a divisional game, which is why I think they showed up. And it was, I think, the first game since they benched Bortles. So maybe they all had a little excitement about that because they'd all kind of secretly hated Bortles. <laughs> they've lost that again. The Jaguars have no care in the world right now. I think that they do not come out to play in this game and Balazs runs all over them. I actually think he has a ton of upside. So not only will I take him in the over-unders, but I think you should start him, Corey. Hashtag go, Corey. Hashtag beat Kent. Wow. <laughs> Hashtag listeners for the win. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, uh, let's rev him up. Drivers, start your engines! It's time to talk about our starts of the week for Week 16, your championship game. These are this is the important ones because you're probably deciding between a couple of guys who are like borderline the same ranking, the same projections. You don't know who to pick, but there might be some underlying information. So, tell you what, let's start with uh, bets here. Tell me who your start of the week is for week 16. Last one. Yes, we got to go out here with the bang, and I'm telling you that Chris Carson is a top 10, maybe even top five play this week. I absolutely love him in this matchup. He gets to take on the Kansas City Chiefs at home on Sunday Night Football, and he is going to absolutely dominate the backfield, which he's been doing for the past couple of weeks. Um, since week 10, you know, he missed that with a, with a hip injury, and since that week, he's been averaging 18 carries a game and has a rushing touchdown in four of those five weeks, so he has been absolutely amazing for you. There's another you know, good chance that Rashad Penny sits in this game with another knee injury, and the thing that I love most about that, which I will say is very sad as a penny truther, uh, is that we saw last week Chris Carson get some work in the receiving game. He caught you know six balls without Rashad Penny there. And if that's the case, you could say, okay, this is a good matchup for two reasons. One, you know we, we know that the Seahawks, they want to run the ball. They run the ball um, more than any team in the league. And if they fall behind for any reason, Rashad Penny's out there to take passing down work. He'll be splitting that a little bit with Mike Davis. So I think he offers very nice safety as well as extreme upside playing against a defense who is giving up the seventh most rush yards, the most in terms of yard per carry at five, which is absurd, and 17 rushing touchdowns to running backs, which is the third most in the NFL. I love Chris Carson this week. You have to play him on Sunday Night Football. I love this start of the week. I considered when I was coming into the dock what I was going to pick, and Chris Carson was on my mind, and then I got here and Betts already had him. So I couldn't pick him, but... He is an excellent, excellent choice, and if you guys remember, I took the Ravens to pull off an upset against the Chiefs in Arrowhead a couple weeks ago, and they took them to overtime, which was about as close as you can get. I'm taking the Seahawks in this one in Seattle to upset the Chiefs, which helps the Carson take even more. So, wow, yeah. Let's that's go. Kind of, that's kind of hot take-ish, but I like it. Um, has Chris Carson not been the perfect RB2 all season? Like, Can, you, so, can it I love get much guy, better? He's been so great this year, just consistent, solid usage. I mean, the Seahawks really committed to running the ball this year, and that was mostly through Chris Carson. It, it's been great. I mean, it's been just so easy to own him. Just put him in there, and, you know, if he's healthy, play him, and that's it. That's all it takes. So. Uh, but this is a week for him to be not an RB2, but an RB1. I'm with it. I'm starting him. Uh, not in a championship game, but in, in one where a, a win matters. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about him this week. Bets, uh, uh, bets. That was a good one. I'll just so say that I was about to confuse you guys again. Okada, <laughs> thank you, Kat. Tell me, 
Tell me your start of the week for uh, the championship week. All righty. So this guy, ha- I feel like he has bounced around our starts and sits segment for a lot of this season, and it is Marlon Makakak. He has returned, baby. Back to the starts. He has been just in a incredibly tough stretch of nasty matchups recently and has, I think, probably been on the sit segment a couple times over that stretch. But he's actually pulled out for you in fantasy. He's had 85-plus rushing yards or a touchdown in four of his last five games. And last week, as anyone who has him on their team, very possibly on their bench, knows... He went off 27 carries, 139 rushing yards, and two rushing scores against the extremely tough, supposedly, Texans run defense. And I really do think they are tough, but Mac just balled out. And the Colts are balling out. Now, heading into Week 16, he gets an extremely juicy matchup. So the script has flipped, and it's time for Mac to come back. Get this. Since Week 8, okay... The Giants are allowing 13.4 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks and 27.7 to running backs in half-point PPR scoring. That's more than double the number of points by running backs than they're giving up to quarterbacks. This is why I leaned away from Hilton and why I think it's going to be a Mac game. And by the way, in case you think that those were some world-beater running backs who put up those numbers, no. Here are the guys. 30 points from Derrick Henry, 29 from Tariq Cohen, 17 from Josh Adams, 17 from Peyton Barber, 27 from Matt Breida, and 26 from Adrian Peterson against the Giants in that stretch. So Mack is honestly a better running back than at least half those guys. I think he has easy 25-point upside in this game. The Colts are favored by 9 with a 46.5-point over-under. That means that, that when you're looking at, at Vegas and you want to translate it to fantasy, numbers like that mean good things for your running backs. So give me Marlon Mack, RB1, start. Wow. No, the RB1? Like no one, no one uh, above him? <laughs> he could be, honestly. He very well could be the, the RB1. But yeah. no, I, I'm just saying an RB1. Yes, yeah. No, I'm just giving you a little so, bit of crap there. So, Akata, with that being said, are you moving away from luck this week? Um... It depends on who else you have. Probably not. I think he still has a good floor, and it might depend on your team. If you want a big upside play, I might consider someone else who has more upside. I think luck will be okay, but I would, I would, if you gave me a super flex, I legitimately might start Marlon Mack over Andrew Luck. Wow. In fact, I probably mm. would. Wow. That's yeah. crazy, actually. I, I, I like it, but it's confidence. It's a little crazy. It's a little crazy, man. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll wrap up our starts of the week by uh, giving you a guy we talked about a little bit earlier. It's Elijah McGuire, and we're kind of starting to bring up the reasons why he's a good start this week in your championship game, even though he really hasn't been up until two weeks ago. But you know what? That's fantasy football, and deal with it. He's had at least 20 touches. Actually, he's had at least 20. No, he had only 20 touches in week 14. So he's had at least 20 touches in the last two weeks. Uh, three receptions both games, you know, a handful of yards through the air, a touchdown each game on the ground. And look, the Jets played against the Texans last week and didn't look awful. And I know that sounds maybe like not too much of a compliment, but the game was 22-27, to 27, I believe it was. Um, I actually don't have it in front of me, but it was, it was pretty close. It was within maybe a score or a little bit more. 
And Sam Darnold 29, threw, 22, 29, Texas, 29, 22. Thank you. Uh, Sam Darnold threw for 253 and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, he actually looked like a reasonably good quarterback, and I think he's got a lot of potential in this league, but it's taken him a little bit of time to figure things out. They're playing against the Packers, who really haven't been that good lately. More importantly, they've been losing games, something that we're not used to seeing the Packers doing. They've lost four to their last five. I think the Jets have potential at home to to beat the Packers, and that's going to mean uh, running the ball. The Packers have been allowing a decent amount of chunks, a, a decent chunk of yards on the ground recently, 386 yards over the last three games, and, and a couple of scores in there. I, I think this is a great matchup, and if you got a guy who's getting 20 touches, it's it's hard to not play him, uh, even if it's your championship week and his name is Elijah McGuire. I, I'm starting him, full confidence. Yeah, I like how I I feel like all these guys are waiver wire guys. Yeah, we're like back end of your draft guys. That's just it's fun. I like it. <laughs> well, that, you got to stay active. That's no one ever wins at the draft, and I know most people that are anywhere decent nope. at fantasy know that already. But you have to stay active. I I looked at my roster like two or three weeks ago in one league and realized I only had one drafted player left, and that you know between trades and free agents, that's you can build a team, no problem. Yeah, I've I'm in the same boat, Kent. In one league where I am um, in the championship, which this is my work league at, a, at my clinic, and I told them that I would give them a shout-out on the pod because they know now that I do a podcast, and they told me I can't even be in the league next year because I'm in the championship, but that's <laughs> beside the point. Shout-out to Vasta Physical Therapy. Love you guys. There you go. Um, but I will say, yeah, I've got like three starting players from the draft, and it's all been through trades and free agency, so you have to do these kind of things and, and make these moves. And when you pick up a guy who can – get you 20 touches like you said Kent I like it I'm a volume player give me Elijah McGuire all right yeah so those are our starts of the week for week 16 throw them in your lineup if you have the uh, spot to do it don't bench anyone too crazy we're not telling you to start these guys over like a Christian McCaffrey or something like that um, so don't get too nuts with it but definitely try and get them in your lineup if you have the option so let's let's talk about some guys who you should probably get out of your lineup why do you do this to me I'm benching you Lewis I don't want to the word out of you sit down these are sits of the week. Uh, some of these guys, you're gonna you're gonna kind of wonder whether or not you should be playing them or not. We're gonna give you our, our case for why you should not be playing them. So let's start with bets again on this one. Tell me who you're sitting down in the championship game. Yeah, I'm sitting a guy who last week I think we all projected a bad week four in the over under segment uh but he came out and he balled out man he was great last week it's kenny galladay but this week i do not want to trust him in fantasy championships given his recent track record where he's been up and down like a roller coaster all year um here's the thing with him he's playing against the minnesota vikings defense and i anticipate he will probably see a lot of xavier Rhodes as the number one option in the receiving game and quite frankly the only receiving option uh for the lions so i hate the matchup for him there Dating back to week eight, here's what wide receiver ones have done against the Vikings defense. Kenny Stills, 17 yards. Tyler Lockett, 42. Josh Gordon, 58. Devontae Adams, 69. He did find the end zone. Uh, Allen Robinson, 39. And Michael Thomas, 81. They're averaging 51 receiving yards against Xavier Rhodes in that time frame. So I think Kenny Galladay, barring any unforeseen, you know, circumstances kind of out of left field he's in for a really rough fantasy day and the other thing is no one is throwing the ball against Xavier Rhodes I was looking at his defensive stats this year he's got just seven passes defended this year which is absurd because it's week 16 no one is throwing the ball against Xavier Rhodes the roads closed don't play Kenny Galladay 
Yeah, um, we kind of all thought he was sittable last week, and I think most people in industry kind of agreed with that concept. Uh, and he proved us wrong. So I get the reasoning, but he's definitely one of those guys who's got that raw talent, raw ability, and could overcome these these downsides. I, however, will not be one to go against what you know what the numbers and what my gut says. So I'm with you, and uh, I'm not going to play him if I have the ability to find other options. Yeah, also I think that we were all leaning that direction because we expected Tredavious White of the Bills to shadow him, and I think I heard that he really didn't. They just kind of, I think they moved Kenny G into the slot a lot or something like that. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, But Rhodes is typically very, very shadowy, so I like this sit call. All right, well, uh, Okada, let's uh, swing over to you. Who you got for your sit of the week? Yeah, so uh, I didn't want to go running back, running back, so I decided to swing over to a quarterback. And I think at this point, most people would consider Jameis Winston a QB1. So I, I'm i taking Jameis Winston as the sit this week. Uh, he's had 19-plus fantasy points in five of his eight starts this season. Obviously, he had several missed starts because of benching uh, or suspension at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's cleaned up his giveaways in recent weeks, so I think a lot of people now have confidence that he will not get pulled for Fitzmagic in the middle of a game, which I believe is true. I think that they're pretty much committed to keeping him uh, in their lineup. However, some of the cleaning up of that of those mistakes that he had had has come at the expense of his passing production. So he's averaged 33 pass attempts and 232 passing yards over his second stretch as a starter this season versus in the original stretch before he got benched he was averaging 43 pass attempts and 345 passing yards so that's a huge drop off in how i guess free firing he is in this offense and like i said the interceptions have come down he's looked much more mistake much less mistake prone so that's good for him and the team in a sense but it's not good for fantasy he's a little bit made up for that with a pretty good touchdown rate Uh, And some good rushing numbers. Also, he rushed well against the Niners, the Panthers, and the Saints in the last few weeks. But we saw all that come crashing down when he faced off against a good defense last week. He got four fantasy points against the Ravens. Not good. So now he is heading into Dallas to face the Cowboys defense, who I think is up there in the top five with the Ravens. They've allowed 13 fantasy points per game over the past five weeks to quarterbacks. That's not pretty to look at. And the Bucks have nothing to play for at this point, really, except keeping Winston healthy because they have to pay him next year, so they do not want him to get hurt. And Winston himself, I think, is going to continue to want to be conservative, keep his job, and that means that this gun gunslingery yardage mania that he had early in this season and really for his whole career, I think it's going to wane off, at least for the rest of the season, which means he's not as good for fantasy which means I'm benching him this week. Sit down, Jameis Winston. Find somebody else. Yeah, I like that call, Okada. He's very matchup you know, dependent on terms of what he does, and, and you kind of talked about it. Against the Bears, eight points. You know, Against the Giants, who are 22nd uh, in terms of fantasy points allowed, which is you know top 10, uh, 16 points. And against Baltimore last week, just five points. So in the games where it lines up for him to smash, he does. And when, in games where it's meant to be, a dud he does so I like it I'm moving away from James Winston myself 
Yeah, I I dropped him, uh, hoping someone else might grab him and play him because I don't think he's a good play this week. I chose to roll with Mitch Trubisky instead, kind of as a gauge for where I where I see him. Although I like Trubisky this week, but he's probably outside my quarterback one range, probably in the mid teens. So I can get with you there that in most one quarterback leagues, he's probably not startable this week. Coming up last year for the sits, I'm going to give you Jamal Williams. Probably, and we agreed, the top waiver wire ad this week. So this might be a little weird to say that he's my sit of the week, but I'm really not confident after looking at a couple of things uh, in his ability to be a lead running back. He gets volume when he's the only guy there. You know, when Aaron Jones was suspended and dealing with some issues last season, he got plenty of carries, but he's never been terribly efficient. He's only had like two or three games with more than 10 carries and a yards per carry average over four. Uh, And only one of those this year, three games earlier in the season, he had 10 or more rushes and uh, all three of them were 3.7 or below yards per carry. He's not good. And look, we had to deal with McCarthy just being a terrible head coach and deciding to not give the reins to Aaron Jones for how many weeks. And we finally realized how wrong he was when Aaron Jones started to, to light it up. And now that he's injured, it's back to the Jamal Williams show. And now, you know, McCarthy's gone and Philbin's in. And I don't think that really makes too much of a difference. But like I said earlier, I think the Bears, or excuse me, I think the Jets are going to roll up uh, on the the Green Bay Packers here in New York. So I don't see them running the ball too much. I think they're going to pass. They're going to use Jamal Williams for blocking, something he actually is good at. Um, So he's probably going to get somewhere in, you know, in the 15 to 17 touch range. But I if he gets less than 50 yards, I will not be shocked against this uh, def- uh, New York Jets defense that is allowing the 11th fewest fantasy points to running backs uh, so far this season. Yeah, Ken, and like you said, it is kind of weird because we had talked about in the waiver pod, he's the top pickup, and Elijah McGuire was probably our, our second, and you flip-flopped him here. You're starting Elijah McGuire. You're sitting <laughs> uh, Jamal Williams. Yeah. I will say I'm, pro- I'm probably comfortable playing him as a flex uh, I don't love it because I'm not a Jamal Williams fan, but you know I mentioned this just 10 minutes ago. I'm a volume player, and I don't see how he doesn't get at least 15 touches in this game. I think he could do a lot worse than Jamal Williams personally, but like I said, he's not a guy that I'm plugging in if I'm projected to lose and I need to play for upside. All right, well, with that being said, let's swing on over to the mailbag. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? All right, we got some questions here, so let's go ahead and try and power through them real quick. Uh, we're running a little bit long, but that's okay. We'll get to these questions here for you. Up first is a question from at Bruce Kennerson one, and the question is: Sit one of these in half point per reception: Galladay, Allen Robinson, and Robbie Anderson. I think I already know one answer out of you guys. Wow. Well, he's bets is sit of the week, so uh, yeah, bets. I'm. I think that's it's where I was going Galladay with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's my answer. Um. I'm going to say Allen Robinson. I think that the volume that I expect from Galladay is just too much for me to want to trust Allen Robinson over him because we have not seen anything consistent from Robinson. And I think that somehow Robbie Anderson is the auto start of these three. I was going to say He's that. He's been great over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, the Packers defense is not good. So, yeah, sit Allen for Ro- me. Robbie Anderson is my definitely pick one out of this group right now. Um like you said, Galladay's volume, Allen Robinson is matchup here. So it's kind of take your pick there uh, and hope you mm-hmm. can get maybe, you know, a four or five big reception game out of Allen Robinson. 
I think I'm going to stick with Allen Robinson. I kind of talked earlier about how I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna figure out the passing game here this week because they got to be ready for playoffs. So yes, Galladay is volume, but with matchup and he's the only guy there, he's gonna get a lot of uh, pressure. Uh, I'm gonna swing over to Robinson, sit down Galladay. Up next, let's take a question from at Chaboy J Rich, and uh, the question is Josh Allen or Philip Rivers at the quarterback position. Keep in mind. This is to embarrass fantasy sensei in a championship. So the deeper the dive, the better even if you break down both of our rosters. Well, I, we're, we, don't really, we don't have time to break down the whole roster. So let's just talk about Josh Allen versus Phillip Rivers. Uh, Bets, I'll defer to you since we have conflict of interest with Okada here. Yeah, Okada, is this in the, the Dynasty Nerds yes. Dynasty League? Okay. Yes, this is the Dynasty Nerd Championship. There you go. Uh, shout out to Jordan. Jordan's a great guy. Uh, yeah, you should all follow him. It's your boy, Jay Rich. Uh, Jordan, my recommendation is to play Josh Allen in this game, which might be a bit of a hot take, but uh, the matchup is not great for Phillip Rivers against the Ravens, and the rushing just keeps happening. Ride that hot wave and go get yourself Josh Allen in your lineup to beat and, Okada. And you know what? I'm actually... This is going to be interesting. I think we're going to leave Okada with the tiebreaker here because I'm taking Phillip Rivers. Uh, Josh Allen's playing against the Patriots, and what is Bill Belichick the best at in the NFL? Taking away an offense's best characteristic, and right now the best characteristic of the Bills is Josh Allen's scrambling and rushing yards. So they're going to find a way to take that away and try and force him to throw. He's like a 54% passer right now. They're going to exploit that. Uh, I'll take Phillip Rivers in a bad matchup. That team has just been too good lately to kind of ignore here. And if Keenan Allen's projecting to play, that's even better. So I'm taking Rivers and uh, tiebreaker to Okada. Conflict of interest. Yeah. Be damned. All right. Are you going to give him I real advice to... or are you going to tell him the opposite? I'm going to give him very real advice, Bets. <laughs> uh, Taylor Heineke is available on waivers, so you should go pick him up and start him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's good advice. No, okay. If, if Because we have other listeners who might be looking at a decision like this, I will give my actual opinion. And I believe that Josh Allen has more upside. And since my team is clearly better, I would probably lean Josh Allen over Phillip Rivers. Those are fighting words. All right. Mm-hmm. Fighting words there, Jordan. Well, let's move on down to a question from at Matt93545656. And the question is... Wow. Is that his yeah. phone number? Yeah, yeah, it might be. Give him a call. <laughs> No, please don't. Um, Fourteen team <laughs> standard scoring dynasty league with short benches. A lot to take in there, but uh, uh, okay. need to drop one of these four players. How would you rank them, and who would you drop? Devin Funches. Ooh, a dynasty question. I like this. Devin Funches, Traquan Smith, Kiki Kuti, and James Washington. Funches would be my number one drop. Yeah, that's mine too. My the only the only kind of question there is he, he's projected to be a free agent so he could in theory go to some other team and and be projected for a big role i don't think it's likely but it's certainly possible but he's he's definitely uh the lowest future upside out, out of these guys I yeah concur. i think he's easily the worst receiver of this group with by far the least upside so that's a pretty easy call for me that's what were you saying i was gonna say I, I agree with you guys you know how i feel about devin funches um, True, and his nickname that I <laughs> gave him over the summer. I'm I'm not a Devin Funches fan. I don't think he has a future in the NFL uh, as a startable asset. All right, nice and easy there. Three votes for Funches. Um, next question is from at dhh underscore skinman. 
and that is James White, excuse me, James White or Demarius Thomas in PPR and uh, 0.25 per carry. That's kind of an interesting uh, hinge there. Um, what do you guys think? Oh boy, this is interesting. What an interesting little duo he has to choose from here. Uh, the Texans are are facing off against the Eagles and the unbeatable Nick Foles. So, I think they might actually have to throw a little bit. And I don't know where James White has gone. I don't know if you can trust him. Well, yeah, Rex Burkhead getting oh, this involved is has, has made it. Well, Sony's healthy. Yeah. Rex Burkhead is healthy. They they have their whole slew of running backs back. So, that's that's what's up. Uh, I'm going to go Demarius. The Eagles just have no secondary. Give me Demarius. But it's tough. Yep, I, I agree with that. I'm going to sit James White as well. You just can't trust him, and like you said, Kent, Rex Burkhead's back, and since he's been back, we've seen White's production just absolutely plummet. He looked like he was headed for an RB1 season, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just gone. So you can't trust White in your matchup here. I would go DT as well. Yeah, and the the extra points per carry here really only add up to a point or a point and a half for James White anyway, so that really doesn't make it any more interesting. I'm going to go Demarius Thomas as well. All right, we have a question from at Kevin underscore Galoosh. He's, I think he's uh, sent us a few questions so far. But uh, I lost Monday night by 0.9 points when Kamara got all the touches besides the fumble on the Saints' final drive. Almost beat a team that had Mahomes, Elliott, Samuel, Kamara, Julio, and Adams. Oh, and Ebron. It was a 12-1 team. He almost beat them. 0.9 difference. Wow. So he's pretty bummed out. Uh, but he has a keeper question here for us. He says, who would you keep out of Kerryon Johnson, Rashad Penny, Jordan Howard, I was, I'm assuming Jordan Howard. I suppose it could be O.J. Howard, but let's assume it's Jordan Howard. Or Cooper Cup. Mm. On a next year, and you got to pick two out of that group. First of all, I will say that uh, if you gave me the choice between O.J. Howard and Jordan Howard, I would pick O.J. Howard. Okay. Um, but if, if we're going to assume it's Jordan, for me it's Cup and Carry On, and it's not close. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's who I would pick as well. Um, I like both of those guys as players, and I think that they've each shown enough, not only this season, but Cooper Cup last year, that you know he is absolutely a wide receiver, too, whenever he's active. So I love that, and I think Carrion has a breakout year next year. Uh, those are my two picks as well. I, I love Cup, and, and not only have we found out that he's a good receiver, but uh, a key component of this Rams offense. Without him, they have been uh, kind of troubled. And Josh Reynolds has been fine. He's definitely no Cooper Cup, but we, we've definitely noticed him missing. So I'm going to go with Cup and carry on as well. Uh, I do like O.J. Howard more than Jordan Howard, though, as a side question. That was a fun little addition there. Um, up last, we have a question here from – I think it's a, he's a really cool Twitter user. Um, oh, my. <laughs> uh, this is from <laughs> at Kent Wyrock. He says, first time, long time. <laughs> question for the Mats, since I know that Kent can't ever make up his mind, I need to pick two wide receivers in standard – Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, Robbie Anderson, and uh, I forgot his first name now, Robert Foster. Robert. Uh, also, Cortland Sutton, but uh, I believe he's not going to be picked here. Nope. Cortland Sutton is uh, so frustrating. Really, it's not so much his fault as it is Case Keenum, so I guess I should say Case Keenum is so frustrating. He's the least desirable of these guys. Pick two in standard. That makes a difference. I'm going to say Robbie Anderson's my number one. Yep, I agree with that. That's, okay. Oh, this is so tough. Josh Gordon, 
may very well get Tredavious White, which is not good. Robert Foster may very well get Stephon Gilmore, which is also very not good. In the same game, by the way. Landry gets to face the Bengals, which is very nice. But he's so untrustworthy. Ah! Last time Landry faced off against the Bengals, he went three for thirty. Oh my! And that was and that it's was the game. Helping. And that was the game when uh, Baker Mayfield threw for two fifty eight and four touchdowns, mind you. So you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna take the most consistent and reliable receiver of this group, Robert Foster. Oh my god! Yes. I was afraid I you was would say that. As well. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Well, uh, spoiler Kent, alert! Spoiler it's alert! The Robbie Bros, bro. Spoiler alert! I I wrote this tweet. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I really want to play Robbie Anderson, and I feel like I can sit down Josh Gordon. I, I was kind of I, – I feel like I can start Landry here and just know that Baker Mayfield's going to blow up Hugh Jackson once again, and I think, like, just the odds are that, you know, one touchdown goes to Landry this time compared to last time. So, I don't know. I, Robert Foster, I grabbed him, and I just – I'm struggling to put him in my lineup, and, and that's – it's just it's, – uh, it's frustrating. But Do it. Do it. Well, I, have some I love that Kent there, just so. asked and answered the same question <laughs> to himself. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. Kent, do you know if this needs to be more of an upside play or like a safe play? Um, that, that would easily make the call right there. Well, let's see. The guy who I'm playing against, he lost Aaron Jones and Keenan Allen last week, so he might get Keenan back. But I feel like I have a better team. I have Gurley, so I'm going to have a decent you know, floor there, I think. I'd, I'd rather take 10 points or, or, you know, like 8 to 10 points rather than get a goose egg. Well, I was going to say Landry if if you just need the safety, but then I realized that Robert Foster is a safer option. Play Robert Foster! Go Robert Foster! <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, fine, fine. I've been berated into playing Robert Foster. Are you happy? <laughs> oh, he's definitely going like yes. 1 for 12. <laughs> I know. I God, we'll see. We'll see what I decide. But now that I have some more information, I can make a better pick. Um, so thank you for that. And that's uh, that's it for the mailbag this week, and that's it for the episode. Hey, if you're listening right now, you probably have been with us for the entire season. And sincerely, uh, sincerely, truly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening to us this year. Uh, we're a new podcast and just trying to get out there, mostly having fun, uh, but trying to get our names out there and putting good work for the fantasy community. So thank you. I uh, We appreciate you. Betts uh, or Okada, do you have any comments to say to the listeners? No, I, I like that uh, you kind of wrapped it up there nicely, Kent. I agree. It's been a fun season. It's been a blast with you guys. Uh, and I hope that everyone listening to this podcast is in the championship. Go win that trophy. Yeah, I've gotten a, a couple bits of feedback from some of you that have made it to championships. So thank you for that. And definitely let us know if you win because that makes us feel like we actually did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we need our, our egos stroked. Your over victory here, I guess. is our victory. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I'm assuming or I'm hoping and planning that we will have some season summary pods coming at some point in the not so distant future. So don't expect to not hear from us for months and months. We will be back at some point. Yeah, I was, I was definitely going to make a comment about that. There's no time frame uh, laid out here. I, I would imagine it might be uh, perhaps like after playoffs. So we know. You know who's healthy and what trends. There's still like a month of football left to watch for trends and stuff. So uh, we want to have that stuff in our back pocket, ready to analyze and talk about next season. So uh, we'll we'll keep you guys updated. If if you're not already, please follow us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. Uh, we'll drop our handles here one more time for you individually. I am at Kent Wyrock. Bets, go ahead, sling it. And I am at the Fantasy PT. 
And Okada. And I am at Fantasy Sensei. Awesome. And uh, hey, we're the Red Shirts. We really appreciate you being here with us and talking to fantasy football. So thank you uh, for the last time this season. Until we do a review, we are the Red Shirts. <laughs>